This is Fairfowl with Gregson and Takia Singh. Welcome back to Fairfowl with Takia Singh and me, Greg Zahn. It is August 8th, and there is a lot of stuff going on in baseball that has absolutely nothing to do with balls and strikes, has absolutely nothing to do with wins or losses. It has to do with a whole lot of boo, mother who, okay? I don't understand, but we're going to get into it. Obviously, we've come to the point in the in the season where people's jobs are on the line. There's a lot of speculation going on out there. That really could be it. Yeah, a lot of stuff that uh, will be juicy and fun to talk about. And quite honestly, I, I think that uh, we should definitely get into uh, quite a few of these topics. Um, how have you been since our last... Uh, podcast i'm doing well we actually it's funny because we talked about how great the weather was in our last podcast and now this podcast i was um feeling the the wrath of the weather last night the floods in toronto and it was insane i choppered in a life raft for you did you get i did i received it yes i did i did thank you wanted to make sure was extremely helpful at least you and five others made it out of toronto alive (laughs) um prioritize it i didn't want you to have to go uh very titanic like yes i didn't want you to have to make any kind of crucial decision so i sent you a a six-man raft thank you Uh, you're very welcome you're very welcome we Uh, made it to safety yes uh, clearly you're here (laughs) um and uh i don't see an an ark parked outside so i think (laughs) things are probably things are probably a little less dire at this point than they were 12 hours ago in in the city of toronto um and the sewage? Is it? Uh... I don't know. Toronto's claiming that everything is fine. Their sewage is fine. Their water is fine. But everywhere there is flooding. There was. I remember um, our director was telling us that um, somebody got caught in an elevator in the Rogers Center. Oh my goodness. And by the time the police arrived, there was a foot, a foot, of what? water what? left. Foot of water, good. He's Lord. stuck in the elevator, and the water's just rising. Clearly, like, they've never seen the movie Die Hard. You go out the top hatch, <laughs> you know. You get on somebody's shoulders, you punch a punch a hole through it, you shove him up. He stands on the top. He pulls you up. You pull the next guy up, and you hang there, dangling on the uh, the, the cords. The, uh, the, the cords, yes. <laughs> That's I mean, terrifying. You know, you jam a screwdriver into the floor above you. You pry open the door. And, ah, you climb your way up and out. Oh. Well, we and know what you would do. Safety, of course. <laughs> of course. And I, you know, I'd be barefoot and heavily armed at the same time. Because oh, you know, really I always so go around looking for a diehard moment. <laughs> want to make sure that, uh, <laughs> want to make sure if, if somebody decides to uh, hijack a Nakatomi building and I'm there. You're uh, ready. I'm in. Of course. I mean, there are just certain things that you, you don't do. You never leave the house without a weapon. <laughs> okay, obviously here in Canada, it's you, you know, you're not allowed to have firearms. So screwdrivers, you know, screwdriver, a pen knife. I like the Leatherman multi tool myself. I'm not gonna lie, it's got a screwdriver on it, bottle opener, a very very sharp main blade. You always have to be prepared as a man. You never know when there's gonna be a damsel in distress who needs a cardboard box opened. <laughs> so I mean, you have to have these things. These are the kind of lessons that my grandfather taught me as a young man. How to you, be a man. You, yes, you never leave the house without, Swiss uh, Army knife. without a Swiss Army knife and at least a couple of dry matches in, in, a, in a waterproof container. 
you never know when you're going to be stranded on on the rooftop in a in a in an urban area. Mm-hmm. And you, you need know. to cook a raccoon. I might have to cook a trash panda. You never know. <laughs> you never know. I just think that these are all things that that every self-respecting young man, millennials, listen up. You need a pocket knife and some dry matches. That's all I'm going to say. Maybe an ATM card. You never know. You heard it from you. Just need your cell phone, actually. Yeah, pretty much. I guess you need. What happens if the cell phone gets wet? Or dies. Or dies. Okay. Or Fair dies. enough. ATM cards don't die. I'm just wondering when they're going to make a cell phone that actually has like a solar panel on the back of it, so you never actually have to plug in. I mean, everybody's gone green. They're like, oh, gosh, I want to be so good for the environment. Put a <laughs> solar panel on the back of the cell phone, and you won't have to charge it ever. You just have to keep it in the sun all the time. Just light. Light. Just here. we got plenty of light here. I guess, just, yeah. I'll just point it at you, and it'll be completely charged at all times. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a ray right. of fucking sunshine. <laughs> <laughs> so what's going on in the world of baseball? I, I, I got a late start this morning. I had uh, a few... Uh, few air conditioning issues that I had to deal with. Oof. Yes. Well, actually, did you see uh, Kenny, Kenny Rosenthal, his article on The Athletic? Yes, suggesting that John Gibbons is going to be replaced by the year's end? Yes. Okay, A, I'll believe that when I see it. I, I know Kenny's a reputable writer. We had him on the program. I believe everything he says. But John Gibbons has nine lives. <laughs> this guy, I'm not sure... But I'm not sure why, but he, he literally has nine lives. There's no, I, I don't believe what Jeff Blair said about him being replaced by, homestand. by the homestand. What's the point in that? You, if you're going to replace him by the end of the homestand, that means you probably have somebody in the organization who you might be grooming for next year. You want to see him manage a couple of games before the a season's test end. Run. Yeah, make sure he doesn't full on go deer in the headlights when <laughs> when they turn when they you know when guy umpire says play ball. Right. Uh, but if you do your research and you look around baseball and you read the articles, there isn't one person in the Jays organization that's being mentioned as a possible replacement yeah. anywhere else in baseball. No. You go out to California where the Angels are, you know, there's rumors that Mike Soch is going to step down. I'll believe that when I see it. But even there, uh, they're talking about the relationship between Billy Epler and Eric Chavez and how Epler snatched Chavez from the Yankees organization because he loved him so much and how he's he's a possible contender for, you know, Soch's replacement if he decides to step down. You know, there's Dee Sarcina. They're talking about all these guys from other organizations. There isn't one mention of a Blue Jays personnel no. mm-hmm. going anywhere else in the game. So I believe he won't be replaced by the uh, end of the homestand. Been wrong a bunch of times in happens. my life. <laughs> it happens. Been wrong a bunch of times, but I'm not buying this one. You're going to replace him by year's end? That makes sense to me. I think I think that's a, a pretty slick move. Um, might be time to part ways. And the good thing about it for Gibby is he's got a whole nother year on his contract that they're right. going to have to pay him. And then an option for 2020. But at least he'll get a free, a full year of pay without having to actually go to work. And he can, <laughs> you know, take his time finding, finding the next Another gig. job. Yeah. Right. I mean, I, I don't know. It, it, as I said, I, 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 I believe pretty much everything Kenny writes because he, he has impeccable sources. But uh, I don't know about this one. This, this one might be one of those situations where I'm saying... Yeah, years end cool, but you know Jeff Blair. I'm not sure if uh, we're we're going to be looking about the homestand. So mm-hmm. I don't know. You played for Gibby. Is he is he a good manager? 
He's an affable chap. Um, affable. He's affable, yeah. I, I, I say Google John Gibbons slash affable and see if 15 articles don't come up. 15 different <laughs> journalists describe him as affable. The one word that I've never, ever heard used uh, with regards to him is the word dynamic. And to me, a big league manager should be dynamic in some way. And what's dynamic? What do you well, what? okay, dynamic. Is he a great motivator? Mm-hmm. No. Is he a great instructor? Right. No, I never learned anything from that guy that I didn't already know. In fact, he was taking his cues from me when he first took over as the Blue, Jays, man- oh, Blue wow. Jays manager. Yeah, it's a fact. Um, he's not dynamic in any way. What he is is a guy who uh, fills out a lineup card. He lets the players play. Um, he plays well with others. He, he, mm-hmm. he's not, he doesn't have a huge ego, so he's not going to sit there and argue with the general manager of the ball club Right. about player personnel moves, about lineup changes. He'll do as he's told. He'll he'll fall into line. And I think that, you know, there's a there's a place for him um, as a big league manager, but I think it's a I think it's with an extremely veteran baseball team. Like well there there just aren't any anymore. Everybody's gone young. I mean, but it, you never know. You might see a switch back. A right. very veteran, self-motivated, self-policing ball club. So when I, you know, I always say, is he a dynamic motivator? Is he a dynamic instructor? Is he a dynamic disciplinarian? Because there are times when you've got a group of a whole bunch of young guys that just need to be kept in line right. and just led down the path. Um, there, there's, there's so many different ways. And so you say to yourself, if I'm hiring a big league manager, I want him to, is he a dynamic communicator? Mm-hmm. Um, if he's not, it, it, he all he has to be is one, and then you surround him with he surrounds himself with a staff that complements exactly those so what he's lacking. Okay, he's not the, he's not a great uh, instructor. Get a bunch of instructors. When 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 Brian Butterfield was was with the Blue Jays, there's your dynamic instructor. When mm-hmm. Brad Armsburg was the pitching coach for the Toronto Blue Jays. There was your dynamic instructor. Yeah. Um, when they had Mike Barnett as the hitting coach, there's your dynamic instructor. These are guys who were who surrounded somebody, and, and these are the compliments that you're looking for. Right. You want to have you want your staff to, to be complimentary to you. So all the all the things that you are not as a manager, exactly, you need to fill in those gaps with the rest of the people on your staff. And <coughs> holy smokes, if you all get along and, and the manager's not a micromanager, a guy who's like. Com- like a, a total psycho it has to be in control of every little aspect. If he can actually delegate, then it makes for a really great working environment. But as I said, I, you know, I, this is not, it might sound like a knock on the man, but he's not dynamic in any way. And so I'm looking at him and I'm thinking to myself, is he the right guy for this group? This is a young, young club. This is a bunch of young guys. They need to be taught how to play the game. Because yeah. you're getting their younger and younger. Exactly. They need to be taught how to play the game. They need to be taught how to react to certain coached. things. They have to be coached. Mm-hmm. And so what's, you know, is he, is, he really, is he really coaching people? I don't know. Is he like Uncle John? Is he, you know, is he Uncle Johnny? He kind of just lets it, them do pretty what much. they feel is right for them. Pretty like. much. I, I, I know, you know, when I was there, there were very few rules. In fact, he, he wanted me and guys like Troy Gloss and Matt Stairs and Royce Clayton to police the clubhouse. 
He's like, this is your club. You do it. That's what veterans do. Um, and and I and I always I always respected the hell out of him for allowing us to do our jobs and for recognizing the fact that we all had way more playing time experience, way more time in the game at the big league level than he did, and he respected that from us. So it's normal to have the veterans kind of police. They're supposed to. I don't think they're doing it anymore. Not on every not on every club the way it should be done. What are they doing now? Worrying about themselves. Not looking after. No, it takes effort. Do you know how hard it is to play the game of baseball every single day? You got you're either playing for a contract or you're in the middle of a contract. If you're a veteran, you're you're worried about well, I, gosh, I I I need to get my OPS up. We got to win games. We got to win a championship. And then all of a sudden, you got a disciplinary problem with one of the younger kids. That takes time out of your day. And to be quite honest with you, in today's game, there's no guarantee if you're a veteran player if you go to a younger guy and say. Hey, come on into my office. Let's have a conversation. Now, there's a right and a wrong way to do things. You don't you don't embarrass folks. You don't you don't call them out in front of their teammates or the media. You say, hey, let's let's go get lunch. Let's go get a drink. Whatever. Let's let's talk about this. You know, privately, man to man. Come by my room. We'll play some video games. Drink a couple of beers. Eat some chicken wings. Have a conversation about life. That's how you do it. But it takes effort. I don't think any of that's going on on a, on a large scale basis the way it was when I was playing. Right. Now, nowadays, you got to you, you can't say anything to anyone about anything. No, they would. My guy, my 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 veteran players, the guys that, that I that I cut teeth around, they they would have been jabbing me. They would have been giving me the gears. You know, not in front of the whole group, but you know, in front of a couple of guys. Like, hey, Zani, you talk too much. You know, stop. You know, zip it. Cotton. Right. That was the big thing. Everybody said cotton. You know, what the hell does cotton mean? I need cotton for my ears because you you won't stop talking. So they would get, you know, they would give it to you. Subtle, little lessons, subtle lessons. Little subtle lessons that nowadays in today's game would be considered bullying. So people get offended by it. Oh, absolutely, they Ugh. get offended by it. I mean, like you, you look at look at what happened, look at what happened in St. Louis. My so, yeah, so yeah, Bud Norris, one of his veteran, one of his veteran bullpen guys, was giving the gears to a younger guy, and I'm gonna guess that the younger guy was probably either outspoken or wasn't ready to fall into line and bud probably stayed on him mike matheny being the old school guy that he was basically the same generation as 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 i was we played at the same time our careers basically lined up with each other he was probably in full support of that because that's how it was done when he and i were young players we were to be seen and not heard so he had those qualities Mike did, yeah, mm-hmm. but things have changed. Mike, Mike's, Mike's a dynamic. He's a dynamic baseball mind. He, 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 he I'm, I know he knows. I know he's a very good strategist. Um, he played for Tony Larusa for a long time, and Tony was a genius. Tony was a great manager of the game. I'm not sure what he was like to, to play for as a person, um, but to me, I don't really care whether or not I like the manager. Does this guy put us in a cha- in a position to win every night? That's all I cared about. Right. Does he make smart decisions out there on the field? Um, does he get Does he get the matchups that he's looking for? There were times when I couldn't stand Jim Leland, but I knew he was a genius. Mm-hmm. I didn't like him personally for a long time. Love him to death. Now we've had, we've we, great we've, stories. We've made our amends, and 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 I and I I now know what it was that he was trying to do. Uh, but you don't have to like the manager. He doesn't have to be your best friend. In fact, it's better if you're not the player's best friend because. 
there are going to come some very tough moments mm-hmm. when you're going to have to release a player, bench a player, um, trade a player, all kinds of different stuff. And it's better if you're not really best best buddies, you know, BFFs. Right. He seemed like he'd be a lifer in St. Louis. What happened to him? Well, according to the reports, you know, he lost the clubhouse because you, you've got uh-huh. a whole generation of players now who aren't used to being held accountable. They're not used to being called onto the mat. Um, clearly, uh, the media got a hold of the whole, you know, Bud Norris trying to police the clubhouse, um, and they took they took the side of the young player. Uh, they didn't want, um, you know, it, it's a very sensitive topic nowadays. I mean, like, everything's sensitive now. I mean, you, you cannot say anything. Um, and so when it came time for uh, St. Louis Brass to make a decision, they took the side of the young players mm-hmm. over Matheny. Really? They did. And, you know, I, that jarred me as, as a guy who now I'm 100% sure I want to manage a major league team someday. Mm-hmm. It jarred me to the point where now I'm kind of like, Wow, I got to reevaluate a whole lot of stuff because really, well, yeah, I, 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 I can't be. It's not. I've never thought it was about. If I'm the manager, it's, it's not about me. It's about the players. But I'm being charged with leading a group. This, yes. I'm the one that's supposed to set an example and tell them what I want. I, mm-hmm. They have to have clear expectations. They got to know what it is that I expect of them. They've got to have a mission a plan. We all got to be rowing the boat in the same direction. Right. If you're wishy-washy and you just, you know, let whatever fly fly, you, it's just not going to work. You know, right. you don't have to be, you know, a drill sergeant, but you have to have some ability to get the best out of everybody. And how did that, so that's what kind of made you uneasy? Or? I think, I think Mike may have just been a little bit rigid. It seems to me based on what you read he was just very rigid, and he wanted it to be his way or the highway. And you know what? I'm sure that he probably, up until the point where he got fired, felt like it was okay. You said it yourself. This is a guy who was a St. Louis lifer. I mean, he was. Yeah, really I, I, like I, I feel like he was going to be around forever. He managed a club 25 years before you know they made a change, but it didn't work out that way. Um, the world has has changed a lot. Um, I always say that the inmates are running the asylum. How does a change like that happen so, like, after so long, they decide, okay, now you've lost the club. Is it just because the players are changing, so he has to players constantly adapt to that? The players are different. And, and people my age and just a little bit older, are, we only have ourselves to blame. Hmm. We're the ones, you think about it, if you, if you do the math, uh, the younger millennials could be our children. We raised them. That makes sense. We raised them. Not me personally. I just I have a three year old. That's it. I just I just I'm just getting started. I can't even wait to see what her sense of entitlement's gonna be like. But <laughs> we raised them to think that everything that they do is roses and sunshine. Mm-hmm. They've never been held accountable. In fact, they, they have soccer leagues now where they don't even keep they don't even keep score until you're like eight or nine. Really? If you don't want if you don't want to start teaching kids that there's a score in a, in a game and there's a winner and a loser, then don't have organized sports. That's odd. Why to would me. you? I didn't. You keep score in sports because you're trying to determine 
who won and who lost. And you learn from if, that. Exactly. If you lost, you learn to get better, try harder. Exactly. And Plays hopefully, a team. exactly, do do something better. Um, but the, we we as a generation of of we're all and we're all sitting around bitching about these millennials. Well, guess who the parents were? People my age and a little bit older. I'm 47 years old. If I had done things normally and said, okay, well. I'm 25 years old. I got married. Now I had a kid. I could literally, like, if I had gotten, had a kid at 25, I could have a college senior for a child. Mm -hmm. I can't even possibly imagine what that would be like, like being able to go have a drink with my kid. What in the world? But these are the kids that are starting to show up in the big league. So, you know, add three years to that, the 50-year-old people in the world that are all complaining about the millennials and the way they're, they have this sensible talent, you raised them. So did my so did my my high school graduating. We raised these problem children. Mm -hmm. These kids that are like burnt out by the time they're twenty five at a, at a high paying job on on you know Madison Avenue. You read the articles about it all the time. You're like, how are you burned out? Like you're you're, you're trying. You're already looking at age twenty five to to fuck off and go to like Brazil and travel the world. Those oh, are things. That's... Those are things that that grown adults do. Like. People in their forties that and have been some working don't even get to. twenty years exactly because they never made enough money to get away. But they 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 literally feel like they're entitled to you know what uh, you know what, I don't want to I don't want to lose out of my twenties. Twenties is when you work your tail off. Yeah. Thirties is when you start to see the the benefits of your hard work. And in your forties, then all of a sudden you typically have some luxury and can have a little expendable income and can go do some things. They want it all right now. They want it all. And you know whose fault it is? Ours. We gave it all to them. We, we raised them to think that this is what they were supposed to expect. And so I don't blame them. What I have to do as a guy who, who potentially wants to manage in the big leagues, and I got to manage these kids, I got to figure out how to, how, to, how to communicate with them. I got to figure out yes. how am I going to get the best out of you while still holding you accountable. I need to teach you to, this is not, this is not summer camp. This is not. Yeah. Amateur baseball. This is professional baseball. It's a $9 billion a year industry. And the people that pay my salary and yours have expectations and rights to those expectations. Yeah, communication, yeah. You're so right. Learning how to communicate with, that's... I have to learn how to communicate with them. But you can't just go, look, me manager, you do as I say. Right. You say, hey, look, these are the rules. This is what we've got to do as a collective. We're going to group up and we're going to get it done. There's only nine guys that can play at any one given time. Mm -hmm. So if you're not in the lineup, be ready. If you don't like the fact that you're not playing playing more, play better. Uh, when you get an opportunity, better be ready. Sorry about it, but I understand, you know, I, I've made the same arguments. If I don't play more, I'm not going to play Look, I, you're preaching the choir. I wasn't always, I was never a star. I was not always a starting player. So I know all the all, all the bullshit arguments that players that don't play have when when they get sitting on the bench, and you look at the, even now these travel teams that are being out that are going on right now these these elite travel teams kids are paying six ten fifteen grand a year to go play on these teams because they're hoping to get a showcase they're hoping to get discovered by the scouts so they can get a scholarship or drafted into pro ball. Everybody's paying, so everybody's playing. 
it's not reality. Oh, I see. It's not reality. Mom and dad can't. Mom and dad aren't going to call up the, uh, the the farm director of the New York Yankees and say, "Hey, what if I uh, what if I pay an extra couple of five thousand dollars this year? Can you get my son some playing That's time?" Very true. It's not the way reality works. Yep. And you can't buy yourself a scholarship, and you can't buy yourself being drafted. Mm-hmm. You're either good enough or you're not. Yep. Um, so lots of lots of things that that Matheny thing kind of rocked me to the core because I of all the guys who I'd seen. You know, go from playing to front office and out to the field without actually having managed a club. I thought Mike would be fine, and he and he he had a pretty good club when he got there. Um, you know, it's tough to know exactly what went on, but the rumor was at the end that him and Dexter Fowler weren't even talking. How can that be? How I mean, you know, there there's there there are a lot of guys in the game who I I, I might have a hard time communicating with. I might have you know, problems with the way they do things. Bottom line is, we don't have to love each other. Yeah. we got to work together. And so I, I'm going to figure out a way to respect you as a man while trying to get the best out of you. You need to respect me as a man because I'm going to show you respect. And I'm gonna, and you got also need to respect the, the, the position of authority that I am in. And the, I think a lot of the general managers in the game today, I think they just need to, you know, Give their give their managers a little vote of confidence, you know, to show show some solidarity. I think that's huge. That goes a long way. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like when mom and dad are on the same page, and you're like, you know, huge. It, when you're both your parents are rowing the boat in the same direction and they're unified, and trust me, they don't always agree on you know what tactic they're using. My parents didn't always agree. Mm-hmm. My dad wanted to take baseball away from me a bunch of times to get my attention. My, my mom wouldn't let him, but they were unified. I think the unification, the communication level, those are all huge. Because oh, human sure. beings are no different. Ball players, they're, they're different in a way, but they still want to be good, and they want to win. Mm-hmm. And that's never changed, and I don't think that's ever going to change. Right. But uh, I mean, you, you're, we're seeing it now. We're seeing it manifest itself in 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 situations like like. Did you see uh, where Clint Frazier actually got an apology from Michael K <laughs> of the Yes Network? For what? People are really easily offended. For what? Uh, like. Is it wrong for Michael Kay to suggest that if the Yankees were at full strength, meaning if Aaron Judge was on the field, because let's be honest, nobody cares about Clint Frazier. He's got 168 at-bats in the big leagues with goose egg. Hadn't done a damn thing. There's no production there whatsoever. The guy has not produced as promised. Like When this guy was in the minor leagues, everybody thought this guy was a can't miss. He hasn't done squat. So... I'm looking at Michael Kay and I'm thinking to myself, you're a veteran broadcaster on probably the biggest baseball TV contract in the world. Like, the Yankee contract with Yes Network is massive. He's a huge star mm-hmm. in the biggest city there is in the in sporting world. Why would you apologize to Clint Fraser for suggesting that if the Yankees were at full strength, that the outcomes of these games would be somehow different. He wasn't now, even singling out Clint. I didn't. I didn't read it that way. Did you? No. I, I don't. I don't know anybody else. I called around. I asked a couple of guests. I'm like, does, does this sound odd to you? Like, why would you apologize to him? And I thought to myself, it's the. It's literally the power of social media. He, the, oh. the, the kid's got a ton of followers on on social media, and all they're going to do is they're going to bitch and moan and complain and verbally spank and shame. I love my favorite word, shame Michael K. 
for suggesting that the Yankees yeah. were at full strength, they'd be getting different results in the game of baseball. Well, no shit. <laughs> really? You're, you're missing a guy who hit 50 homers last year out of your lineup. Yeah. And as I said, maybe Clint Frazier's going to be a player, but at this point, if I'm the broadcaster, I didn't say anything racially charged. I didn't say anything religiously charged. Um, I didn't attack him as a person. Um, I didn't diminish his injuries whatsoever. I'm still wondering where he went wrong. I I couldn't tell you because I didn't see it anywhere. He was talking about the team as a collective. Why would anybody care what Clint Fraser thinks at this point? (laughs) Why? 160, I guess 168. 168. Yep. 168 at-bats, career. Mm -hmm. Four homers lifetime. Mm Mm-hmm. Not exactly grounds for concern. I, I don't get in it. In my case, uh, I don't get it either. So, you like, I, so like I said, we, we are talking. <laughs> we are talking about a completely different set of rules now. You, like, you can't say anything. Um, yeah. The, 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 the word facetious was used by Michael K. I was being facetious. In case you don't know what that means, youngsters, that means he was joking. Yeah. Like, uh, are we allowed to joke with anybody? It's like if sarcasm. Our, it's like. Our, Sharks are what? <laughs> if, if our job doesn't have, if our job title doesn't say hyphen stand-up comic, are we not allowed to make jokes anymore? What is even funny anymore? I, I don't even know. What is a I joke can't, anymore? I can't, I can't tell you what's funny and what's not. Because, People take things way too seriously now. Well, I mean, the fact that I watched Eddie Murphy Delirious a week ago and actually <laughs> cringed at some of the language that he was using speaks volumes to me about how stinking, ridiculously soft the world has gotten. It's become, yeah. Here's an African-American man in the, in the 1980s. He's, he's spewing homophobic language, racially charged language, mm-hmm. um, you name it. Uh, misogyny, uh, ageism. You, Did I mean, anyone say shit anything back then? Nobody said a word because right. it's Eddie Murphy and he's funny. And if you buy a ticket to a comedy sto- uh, show, you're literally, uh, not literally, you're figuratively signing the consent form to forego your outrage, your professionally outraged moment. But it's not even a secret either that when you go to these things, because it's, it's also all over the internet you can see comedy shows on the internet netflix has a ton youtube has a ton you know what you're signing up for or you know what you're buying into oh you totally know you're going there to be entertained right either that or you're going there to be completely outraged mm-hmm. and either way if you're the if you're the comedian who cares whether you're, you love it or you hate it you already just paid i feel bad for the comedians you can't say a word i, I mean i just I think they're going to get away with it no matter what, but I don't care. I, I, I just, I just feel bad for 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 people like they're even in broadcast. You're, you're right. Broadcasters even have to censor themselves. Huge. Well, Joe Joe Simpson, the guy from the Braves, the, 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 he got in trouble for saying that the Dodgers looked unprofessional Sloppy. because of what they were wearing at batting practice. Now, granted, really not his call, but. Organizations have relaxed. We used to wear shorts and t-shirts to batting practice in Miami when I played for the Marlins, but we did so with the gates closed. The mm-hmm. fans weren't in the building. Right. I think we have. I think we, as an industry, I, sh- I shouldn't say I'm not in the industry anymore, but uh, people. I think I think organizations should have a uh, 
uh, an obligation to try to look professional. It, it sends a good message. But at the end of the day, if you don't want to, there's no law that says it. Unless Major League Baseball says you need to wear X, Y, and Z, um, then they're not. They're going to do whatever they want. I'm a big believer in uniform. Yes. Okay. There's a uniform for a reason. I want everybody to look the same. I don't care whether we're wearing this shirt today, this hat tomorrow. As long as everybody on the field looks the same, I don't care. In fact, take the top, the most veteran guys on the team and rotate every five days and let them pick what you're wearing that day. Mm -hmm. I don't care if it's petticoats. As long as everybody on the ball club looks the same, that's fine with me. Just go out there, take your batting practice, and, and call it. And then he gets into trouble. And then he gets into trouble for suggesting that the Nationals Juan Soto wasn't 19 years old. Because he's doing so good and because he's such a big, strong kid. Suggesting because um, he's a Latin player that that there's a possibility that he's lied about his age. So I'm not going to get myself into trouble by by commenting one way or the other. But, you know, it's, yeah, there we're looking at the picture of the batting practice t-shirts from the Dodgers and... You know, it's sloppy looking, but you know what? If that's what they're going to do, that's what they're going to do. Yeah, how do, um, well, how, how do you feel about that? I think that the, you, you, you wear a bit, unless you're, unless, if the gates are open, you dress a certain way. When the gates are closed. You can do whatever you want. You do whatever you want. Okay, It's your fair. ballpark. That's fair. You totally know what? And, 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 and I don't really care whether Juan Soto's uh, really 19 or not. Whatever his, whatever his birth certificate says, I'm, I'm okay with. <laughs> I didn't care. I giggled. I giggled when I found out Miguel, Miguel Tejada had lied about his age. The fact that he was actually 19 when he said he was 17. <laughs> I uh, and he, that. I don't care. It, does it really? Does it matter whether a guy is 33 when he wins the MVP or 31? It doesn't matter to me. He, the guy was a great player. Yeah, he lied about his age because he he wanted to be seen as more special than he really was. But at the end of the day, he played he played a lot of ball games. He played uh, played a lot of magical, great baseball. I don't care that he lied about his age. I really don't care. It's not like it's the Little League World Series where the, you know that kid from New York pretended to be you know thirteen when he was actually fifteen. <laughs> was it Daniel something or other? I, I don't, don't remember, remember his name. Tommy, you get, get, get you got to get me that name. The kid, the, the kid from the I think it was the Bronx that was actually like fifteen years old pitching against other like thirteen year old kids. Um, I mean, that's when age would matter. That's when it matters. But, but other than that, nineteen, twenty-one. No, it doesn't. Come on, it doesn't matter. You know, Juan Soto's a very physically mature kid. Mm-hmm. Like we haven't seen that before. Right. You know, I mean, yeah. we all know that. Like I, I, I went. I played little league. I played little league with a kid named Felipe Perez who had a full-blown mustache at 12 years old. <laughs> uh, you know, I, I, nobody ever questioned whether or not he was 12. We went to high school together. Mm-hmm. <laughs> or we, I should say, we were in the same grade. Danny Almonte. Monte. There we go. Danny Almonte. Yeah. So Danny Almonte. You know. That was that was that was a serious scandal. They didn't even win, so I mean I think they got beat. So it's not like him That's being a, a couple years older over the top. even mattered. So whatever, I, I don't even care about that. You know those, those kind of things are silly. But you know we we, we gotta just everybody just needs to pump the brakes on this like professionally outraged stuff. I, I just we need to stop. Mm-hmm. We need to stop. Grow get grow back our senses of humor. Obviously there are certain things that you you don't say to to one another. Uh, but then there are certain things that when people who have known each other a long time who have uh, sort of earned the right to say certain things to one another. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, I don't walk up to total strangers and say, oh, what's up, asshole? 
Right. You know, I walk up to some strange <laughs> dude, some guy, some six foot four inch, you know, 275 pound you right. know, dude. No. But when I walk into the gym and I'm standing there next to my coach, Ray, I say, what's up, fucker? Yeah, it's you just know, like a comfortability and, and, and he's 6'7", 275 and a professional fighter and, <laughs> and, and can just go, wah, mongo. You're gone. You know, I don't, and, I'm, and I'm crushed. And I, <laughs> I don't, like, I, I'm not scared to say something to him because he and I have known each other five years we, or whatever it is. Yeah, probably about five years now. And, mm-hmm. and we've earned the right to say whatever we want you to each other. You kind of gauge other. that. Yeah, you gauge that. You don't just, like I said, you don't walk up to strangers. And you're like, I don't know, I just don't understand why, why there's no such thing as a sense of humor anymore. No, it's almost gone, really. Yeah, Everything is offensive. It's, everything's I've, offensive it's so It's getting too much. It's getting too much. <laughs> Did you yeah. hear about um, Jason Worth calling out Scott? <laughs> yeah, Scott Boris. That's yes. amazing. So you know, you know for a fact that there are ball clubs that hate on Scott Boris because he, he jams up the free agent process every year. He gets every last dime out of every ball club for all of his players. But now his own players are starting to turn on him because apparently... Well, he didn't shop him. Yeah, exactly. So, according to Jason Wirth, he called every <laughs> every organization except the Mets. I, I, tried to, I tried to search a little harder to see why he didn't call the Mets, but he called 29 teams. Okay. I can imagine why he didn't call the Mets, but I, I can't really intelligently say it so right. i won't um it, it probably just because he played for the phillies so long and they're you know bitter rivals that's that's that, that's my guess I, I, there i said it I, I don't know why i don't know why i was afraid to say it i guess i was afraid i was going to offend somebody um so you never know nowadays. you never know um so he apparently called 29 teams and all 29 teams were shocked that he was calling because they had no idea he wanted to play and they swear that nobody had heard from scott boris <sighs> Well, somebody wasn't doing their job. Uh, but that's not surprising, though. I mean, it's just it's just the way agents work. Uh, you know, it was a time when I wanted to be an agent, but, you know, I I just couldn't do it. I, I, I was my own agent when I was negotiating my big contract with the Jays, and, and I just, it's a dirty business. Um, and honestly, agents are, they're, they're, they've got a lot of clients. They've only got so many, so many hours in the day. If you're not making them money, they're not going to worry about you. They're not yeah. going. They're not going to go out of their way to worry about you. The one thing I'll warn people of, if you know, if there's any ball players out there listening, or you know, potential ball players, you have to remember something. The agent works for you, not the other way around. You're paying them. Yes. If they're not doing their job, fire them. I went through a ton of agents. I fired did myself you? as an agent. <laughs> I did. I fired myself. I went through several, including Mark Shapiro's dad. Ron yeah. Shapiro was my first agent. I fired him. Yeah. Well, I, technically, Rick Oliver worked for Ron Shapiro, um, but I fired him. I didn't like the way I didn't like what what was going on. And you know what? Right or wrong, you have that right as a player to fire and hire whoever you want. Yeah. And you know what? If they're not if if you're not making them money, don't expect them to work for you. It goes both ways. Like seriously, why would you waste hours and hours of your time making phone calls for a guy that's going to get you? five percent commission on minimum wage they're not going to do it yourself you might as well but they're not going to waste their time on they're not going to waste their time on you plain and simple um and the sooner players get that through their thick heads and understand that it's a business and these guys aren't going to work hard for you um when you're not making them big glue i mean boris already got paid by jason worth he negotiated him a 127 million dollar contract do the quick math on that 
What's 5% of 127 million? Oh, God. I don't know. Anybody got a calculator? <laughs> it's six, six something, seven something. I don't know if it's 70, you know, seven million, six, yeah, I think it's like six, six million and some change, I think. If I'm, what are you saying? Six percent? Like 5% of 127 million. It's like six million dollars, I believe. So, yeah, it's about six million dollars. Six and some change. In fact, it is. Uh, it's six million three hundred and fifty thousand. Yeah, six three fifty. Yeah, there you go. Man, math is painful. <laughs> um, so he got he made six million dollars, and and we're talking about a conversation like yeah, Jason Worth did the work. He played really well and 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 put himself in a position to earn that one twenty seven, but the work that Scott Boris did. To get him that 127 was no more work than if he had gotten him 12. Probably spent the same amount of time on the phone with the GM. The only thing is, is the decimal point's in a different place. There's an extra digit on the left side of that decimal point. <laughs> so that's the same work. So he made $6 million, 350000 off of that one negotiation. And he, you look at all the – somebody Google the client roster of that guy. So trust me when I tell you, he's got bigger fish to fry than Jason Worth at this point. And I'm not condoning him ignoring Jason Worth. I'm a loyalty guy. The list of current players there. Yeah, that's Possibly. like it's it's an entire <laughs> yeah. screen. Blue Whoa, Whoa, that's like, current like, players. Ballpark it, yeah. So, Holy wow. Yeah. I, I, something's off here like Jake Arrieta, Cody Bellinger, Adrian Beltre, Xander Bogarts, Jackie Bradley Jr., Huge. Zach Britton, Chris Bryant, Simpson Chu, Oh God. Chris Davis, Kobe Ellsbury, Danny Espinosa, Carville, Gio Gonzalez, Marlon Gonzalez, Bryce Harper, Matt Hart. Oh yeah, he's not worrying about Greg someone Holland. that's not making him yeah. money. What do you what do you Martinez, what are you Max guessing about? Max Scherzer. What are you guessing about five hundred million dollars worth of salary there? Easily. See if you can figure that out. Huge. Yeah, per year. Give me a break. That's that's it, it's 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 but and that's the reason why when you look at a client roster like that with that with all that all that those guys and trust me they all act like they're your best friend especially when they're when they're courting you as a client trying to poach you from somebody else mm -hmm. they're you, you're the best friend they're taking you out to fancy steak dinners you're going to the ballet you're going <laughs> all these places you're going to fancy trips whatever doing all these things they're they're they make you feel like you're their friend Warning, they're not your friend. Do not think of your agent as your friend. Think of him as an employee. They work for you. They are basically lawyers without law degrees, basically. Most of them aren't lawyers. Most of them don't have law degrees. No? No. They are professional negotiators. And as I said, it's a very, very seedy business. The things that general managers will say about players to agents is a heck of a lot more filthy and vile than what they'll say to the player. So what we got there? His net worth is a hundred million dollars. Scott Boris's net worth is one hundred mil. One hundred million. Never played a day in the big leagues, probably. <laughs> but he's negotiated some awesome contracts. Huge. Awesome contracts for his players. So. Uh, that doesn't really shock me that that's going on because it, it happened to me on a much lesser scale. But as soon as I stopped being able to earn, and you know, and I became more work than I was worth from a commission standpoint, I my agent basically fired me. They, really? They didn't do it formally, but they just stopped working for me. You know, it, it is what it is.
that's when I got a bad taste in my mouth. So you know what? I'll, I'll try this myself. That was a bad idea too. <laughs> what bad happened? Idea. Oh, well, you can imagine I'm sitting on the telephone having a conversation, a very heated conversation with J.P. Ricciardi, and there was probably a good 15 or 20 minutes of you know profanity-laced assault going back and forth there was just one shot over the bow after the other oh man yeah the, the word greedy and the phrase we picked you off the scrap heap oh. all came up yeah oh yeah oh my God. it happens you know and you but there's a lot of dirty stuff going on in the game but the arbitration system is a joke they tell oh, you how you bad you remember that. i told oh, you they, they say oh that. yeah you suck you're bad for the community when you don't, you don't do enough it. work yes and then after the, after it's all said and done, okay, let's go get them. And go play. Go let's play. Go, let's go win a championship. Do, yeah. Forget about all the nasty, vile crap I've said about you the last three hours. Let's go win a championship. I remember that. I do remember that. Yeah. So it's it's not all it's not all uh, you know roses and sunshine and you know not everybody's gonna um, you know tell you how great you are all the time uh, and you know things are gonna there's gonna be criticism lobbed at you if you're a baseball player mm -hmm. or a coach or a front office guy. And you, know, you might want to develop a little bit of a backbone. thick skin, you know, backbone, thick skin. Expect it. It comes with the territory. If you want all the adulation and all the love and all the endorsements and all that money that comes along with it, you're going to have to hear some negative stuff. For sure. Uh, speaking of hearing negative stuff, did you see the minor leaguer? You just did your Sunday roast on umps. So it's yes. perfect. Bringing the trash can. Oh, what's the guy? Metzger. Yep, Brandon, Brandon Metzger. Men, yeah, Brandon. Yeah, so he didn't like a call in a minor league game. He didn't like a call, and he got ejected by the home plate umpire. Who I don't I don't know what he said. He didn't seem very animated. The umpire was like, eh, "You're good," you know. It's like probably said, you know, I I didn't like the call, and that was all it took. Certainly, your Sunday roast. So yeah, pretty much. So. Metzger gets his gets his you know money's worth and he goes and he grabs a trash can and he puts it behind home plate where the umpire would stand and says, "Go to your home." It's <laughs> your home. <laughs> a la what Happy Gilmore? I'm thinking Happy Gilmore like you do good for your home. Oh. I do like the fact that he respected the grounds crew and didn't throw the trash <laughs> all over the place because that would have been yes. just disrespectful. Uh, but suggesting that the umpire was garbage and that he belonged in the trash can was actually quite comical and i want to give him style points and creativity points that's uh that's the modern day covering of home plate with dirt by somebody like earl weaver or oh. billy or billy martin um a tremendous tremendous uh display uh, i don't remember the name of the guy there was this one minor league manager i can't i kicking myself because he's he's so well known but he's so known like every year he has a major meltdown and i remember seeing him stealthily crawling like he was an army ranger or like some special forces guy behind home plate he grabs the rosin bag and mock pulls the pin and launches the rosin bag like it's a grenade phil wellman phil wellman i think he's a member oh. of graves organization is that yeah or at least he was during the video that we're watching there this guy has some of the best meltdowns you've ever seen in your life if you love a good meltdown which instant replay has robbed us of our great meltdowns now Go watch, go go YouTube or Google this guy, uh, Wellman, Phil Wellman, and check out some <laughs> professional ump chirping. This guy 
is oh, he's covering it amazing. Right up. Yeah, he's just burying it because it does. It, I, I can already tell you what. Look at he's making himself a new plate, which is even <laughs> bigger than the original one. That, <laughs> that's how big your strike zone is, buddy. Oh, we gotta post this video so everyone can see. Oh, it. I wish we could. MLB logo there. Up oh, there goes a ball. Uh, pulling out the base. These are all classic, oh. classic routines. Uh, he's like, I'm taking my base and I'm going home. And, but the the one the one my favorite one is the one where he crawls on his belly and he pretends that the rosin bag is the is a grenade and he, oh my he, he, he throws it. it it's just priceless, um, probably not the most mature behavior but that's what instant replay has robbed us of is the full on umpire manager confrontation the extra theater right. that goes along with entertainment a blowout game <laughs> see there he is T watch oh. this. He's crawling on his, sneaking up on Stop a rosin it. bag. Oh, oh, oh. Pull the pin. Throw it. <laughs> I love it. Oh, it's fantastic. And it, of gosh. course, Of course, it's a rosin bag, so when it hits the ground at the umpire's feet, it kind of gives a puff of smoke, yeah. <laughs> which is even, it's so fantastic. That and is hilarious. Those, those, those are the best. As I, instant replay has robbed us because now the uh. umpire, the, the managers, they, they know they're right or wrong. So what's the point of going out there and, and arguing? Mm -hmm. They already know. Right. And that's the, that's the worst part. Back before instant replay, the umpire would have to hear it from the manager for lots of reasons. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't always that he just, he just boxed that call. He could have been boxing them all night long. Like what? Or well, he just he may have been screwing up the calls all night long. He might. An um, a manager might have seven players come back and talk about how bad the guy's strike zone is. Or he comes to me as a starting catcher and he says, hey, uh, what's this guy's zone like tonight? I'm like, he's damn near terrible. Mm -hmm. And then the, our hitters are bitching, their hitters are bitching. Uh, all it takes is one to go against them. Or you had a history with a guy. Um, but, you know, sometimes it was there was more to it. Or you just needed to get thrown from a game in order to show that you were backing your players and that there was some solidarity there. Yeah. So there's lots of reasons, but instant replays basically robbed us of all that great theater. That's oh, so unfortunate. It is. That's it's hilarious. Those are terrible. so funny. They are great. So many great moments from from my childhood watching some of the greats like Billy Martin and Earl Weaver, Lou Pinella. Oh my God, Lou Pinella's fantastic. Absolutely. He he would he would chirp me from the dugout. Greg Zahn, are you kidding me? Greg Zahn, you let Greg Zahn beat you with a base hit in that situation? You were afraid no. to throw Greg, but Greg Zahn? <laughs> no oh, way. Oh, it's classic. <laughs> I got to get Toby Hall on the program. He tells the story so great because he's with he's with the Tampa Bay Rays at the time, and uh, I was with Houston, mm -hmm. and I I think I got a a, a hit to uh, it turned out to be a game winning hit or whatever, and they were just. He was screaming my name from the dugout as if to suggest to his pitchers, this is the reason why we suck, because you're worried about a guy like Greg Zahn. <laughs> Greg Zahn? <laughs> it was classic Lou. And I'm standing there, I'm like, I'm at first base, and I'm like, I can hear you, Lou. Like, what? what? <laughs> you what? said it back to him? I was like, yeah, Lou, I can hear you. I know what you're saying in there. It's funny. I got I got to get Toby on the program. Toby would be hilarious because he he played for Lou down in Tampa when they stunk. So I can imagine some of the Lou Pinello stories that he could he could spit would be absolute classic. But I, that was one of my classic moments with Lou. Is he he's chirping his own club about playing scared, and and he's basically saying. I, this is why we suck because you're worried about a guy like Greg Zahn, and he's saying it loud. Like, Greg Zahn, like, thanks, Lou. Appreciate it. Oh my, that's <laughs> <Dick>. hilarious. 
I love the. He was great. He was a, he was a great competitor, and, and he deserved he deserved to have better teams in Tampa than he ever got. But uh, he was fun to play. He was fun to watch play. That's for sure. He was a hard nosed son of a bitch. So. So. How do you feel about it? Good. Yeah, yeah. I'm pretty. I'm, I'm pretty 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 gassed. Um, yeah. But. Uh, Lots of, lots going on. It's going to heat up. Baseball's going to heat up here in the in the, in the coming weeks um, as we charge ahead towards September. The call ups, uh, the pennant race. Uh, don't mean to pat myself on the back, but things are shaping up pretty exactly much pretty much the way said. I expected they would, except for those damn Atlanta Braves and Philadelphia Phillies. But uh, they were pretty close, though. I'm not hating on anybody. The Washington Nationals are still kind of in it, but I, somebody's got to wake them up. They, 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 What's they, it gonna take? I don't know. Bryce Harper got hot after the war, the uh, All Star Game home run derby. He's scorching hot, but their pitching's been garbage. Gio Gonzalez, he's not doing too much. Yeah. There's, you know, they've had some injuries, but uh, yeah, could could be interesting. Could be interesting. I'm, uh, you know, now now that we've covered the the world of baseball, we've come to the portion of the program where we. Where we have to uh, thank our friends. Thank our friends, our friends at Indochino. Mm-hmm. We still have to schedule our lunch we date. Do, we you know, do. Our lunch, our lunch we and will. shopping. We will. Um, our gang at True Local. Uh, before oh. you guys got here, Oof. I was uh, noshing on um, what was left over from the baby back ribs that I made. I made. I actually made four racks the other night. I just Holy! Wanted to, wanted to make sure that I had a little something extra. Um, yeah, tremendous friends. I keep telling people, put an order in. Get 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 the Christmas for the carnivore, the bo- the little oh. black box. Honestly, so I magical. need to do it. I, I think you should. I get a little tingle every time they show up on the front door. I'm like, oh oh oh, true locals here. You know, you walk, you open it up, and there's this gargantuan ribeye steak in there. My black cod for breakfast, and then now they're starting to you know tantalize me with their baby backs, which are amazing. Uh, Have I tried those? Stuff. You have had them. Oh. You those could, so those were the ones when the ones that you had yes oh. they were really really good oh, man. yeah yeah and always got to thank my 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 gang at uh, at Liquid Muscle keeping the keeping I don't the, even keeping, understand keeping me pumped up yeah it's the only <laughs> way I could get through my workouts and I recover because I drink the pina colada the, the pina colada liquid muscle oh my I still I'm don't understand that you, it's so good I'm telling you don't I'll sleep one of the pina coladas lovely. It's absolutely wonderful. So, and then now, don't forget. I keep telling people, summer's getting, you know, it's coming to a close. Mm-hmm. Before you know it, the kids are going to be going back to school. Mm-hmm. If you're going to summer concerts, if you're going Cause. to sporting events, go visit our people at SeatGiant.ca. You're Canadian. Mm-hmm. You deserve to check out in Canadian dollars. If you're going to a Canadian show, you're checking out in Canadian dollars. SeatGiant.ca. If you're loving us from south of the border. Down in, you know, in the United Dot States com. of Awesome, go to SeatGiant.com. Mm-hmm. May re, may, may make sure you type in the promo code ZON. Canadian version, Z-A-U-N. Z. Yes, Z-A-U-N. <laughs> and then the uh, uh, U.S. version, Z-A-U-N. And get your discounts. And uh, make, sure, make sure you tell them uh, Z and T sent you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, perfect. Yeah, definitely. All right. So we've come to the end of yet another one. We will see you next week. Um, and... Uh, we love the feedback. 
make sure you uh, give us your feedback and uh, send it along to us at uh, YouTube or manlessmedia at gmail.com. Mm -hmm. uh, lots of places you can get it. Things you want us to touch on. Uh, Instagram. Um, Instagram, at Greg Zahn, G-R-E-G-G-Z-A-U-N. Twitter, if, mm -hmm. if you're still following us on Twitter. Same thing, at Greg Zahn. And uh, also be on the lookout for uh, my announcement. And I, I know I keep saying it's coming. Yeah. Legal matters. You know, we're trying to get the paperwork signed. But uh, Greg's on Baseball Academy so is exciting. coming. I'm so excited for you. My plan is, I am so excited. My plan is to start running clinics as early as uh, September 8th. Really? Yeah. So coaches clinics, catching clinics, hitting clinics if we got the need. I mean, I'm going to I'm gonna throw it out there and see what people want. Oh, my God. So well, we're I exciting. Come. And, and, we do a show there. We get you some, yeah. get you some batting practice. Yes, let's so do that. I'm looking forward to it, but uh, keep an eye out for us. Uh, and then, and of course, my my, my new baby, which is the uh, the uh, the nuts and bolts program for the little guys and gals. The uh, mm -hmm. I'm looking forward to that. I really really think that's going to be a winner. I think the kids are going to get a lot out of it. And, yeah. And, uh, yeah, we'll we'll be we'll be hopefully starting that up in uh, November. But lots of lots of ways to get involved with the Greg Zahn Baseball Academy and come. You'll be able to come check out the facility here pretty soon as soon as I announce uh, when uh, when we're doing Perfect. it. Perfect. We'll have a wine and cheese mixer for the for the <gasps> yes. parents. Yes, I'll, and I'll, a true local the, barbecue. Yes, I'll bring true local out. We'll barbecue wine and cheese mixer. Mm -hmm. uh, liquid muscle after we get done getting all pumped up so we can get <laughs> yeah. our recovery protein in. We'll be all good. Okay. So uh, until next time, this is uh, Takiya Singh. I'm Greg Zahn. Thanks Thank for tuning you. in to Fair File. Thank you. See you next week.